Hello and welcome to Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. Today we're going to be talking about a number of delightful things about the writing on the wall, what it means when you see it. We're going to talk about good old Nebby turning into an animal. And then what are you talking about, Jace? Uh, I wanted to understand like how many kings there are and kind of how many Daniel lives through. So right. what that whole deal is. It's actually more interesting than I expected it to be. So I'm the kind timeline. of excited about it. Oh, fun. Okay, okay. So I want to talk about this, this story of Belshazzar's feast. So okay. we are setting up sort of this back-to-back comparison, right? Where we have the story of Nebuchadnezzar being super prideful, getting turned into an animal, and then at the end of that, he's like, oh my God, God is great. I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. Versus Belshazzar, who doesn't learn from his dad's example, who doesn't care about God, and his kingdom gets taken away. So it's not a mistake that these two stories are told back to back. So the things that I could find about this story, um, I found some suggestions. So that line we found about the joints of his loins being loosened. Yeah, what was up with that? <laughs> Some people think that means he soiled himself. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's fun. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. That he was, like he saw this hand right on the wall and he just shat that himself scared. right just there. Pooped. Yeah. Pooped in fear. I mean, that makes yeah. sense. Which, to be fair, I mean, if a hand shows up out of nowhere and starts writing on my wall. Yeah, it would be pretty intense. Very intense. Very scary. So, now, as far as the actual words that were used. Something that I guess is, what I'm gathering is that there's a lot of wordplay in this story that of course gets lost when it's translated and then translated again and then translated again and then translated again. Mm. But if we try to rewind that, so basically the way that the Hebrew alphabet works, I don't know if y'all know this. I learned this when I briefly thought when I was going to a to Israel. Um, I was like, oh, I'll try to learn some Hebrew so I can read street signs and stuff. <laughs> and Wow. Impressive, Dedeker. Learned that like in the Hebrew alphabet, you know, so it's all consonants. Mm-hmm. Like it's all consonants, but then there's little dots, like these little diacritical marks that indicate what the vowel is. Right. And I'm like, mm-hmm. cool, I got that. But then I learned that basically none of the signs use that. They just assume you know from context what the word is going to be. Yeah. Okay. And so only materials for like children will use those little diacritical marks to let you know what the vowel is. And so that's when I gave up. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. He's just like, well, I'm out. <laughs> so knowing that construction, basically Daniel reads the writing on the wall by supplying vowels in two different ways. So there's like one reading where it the words read as nouns. And then there's another reading where they read as verbs. And I think that partially explains why when we were reading it, we're like, wait, that's a different word that he said the second time around rather than the first one. Mm. So when he's reading it as nouns, all of the nouns are monetary weights. So Mm. amene is a a mina or 60 shekels. Uh, A tekel is a shekel. And a parson means a half piece. And basically, I, I guess the interpretation of that was that like Belshazzar is being weighed up and he's found lacking. Okay. I see that he's only worth half a shekel instead yes. of a whole shekel or How something like that. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Now then when he interprets it as verbs, then mene is interpreted to mean like numbered and tekel also comes from a root that means to weigh. Again, that whole like weighed up and found wanting. And then peres 
is um, a word that means to divide. And it's also play on mm. words with the word for the Persians, right? So it is this idea oh, of like, not only are you weighed fun. up and found wanting, but also you're going to be divided and given away. Wow. So that's fun, right? <laughs> that's real fun. Now, this is where we get the phrase, the writing on the wall, right? Which I learned the first time someone used that as an idiom, or at least the earliest known use of it, is from 1638. Wow. Huh. Yeah, this captain, Captain L. Brinkmare, who was participating yep. <laughs> in the Thirty Years' War, basically was, yeah, was the first one to use this phrase, the writing on the wall, to mean, Doom is coming. you know, yeah, doom is coming. Right. It's obvious that it's going to fail, right? Wow. So that was pretty cool. And then I also learned that there was a line of overhead projectors named Belshazzar because of this story. Wait, oh, because it's like writing on the wall? Yes. Oh <laughs> so good. I love that. It just reminds me of Pink Floyd's like, we don't need no education. How how does it... Wait, why? Why does it remind you of that? Because it's the wall. Oh. It's from the wall, Pink Floyd. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need no overhead projectors. Yeah, exactly. No one alive knows what those are. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Some of us do know. No, I know, but no one in school today knows what an overhead projector is. No one in school today knows. You're absolutely correct. We've we've thoroughly alienated all of our Gen Z (laughs) listeners right now. Yeah, sorry. I'm so (laughs) sorry for you. (laughs) So to talk a little bit about historical background, you know, like what are the actual historical facts behind this story? So in the story, we learn that Belshazzar is the not only the king of Babylon, but he's also the son of Nebuchadnezzar. In reality, Belshazzar was actually the son of King Nabonidus, Nabonidus, who was one of Nebuchadnezzar's successors. Oh. And Belshazzar would essentially be the deputy for Nabonidus when he was away, but Belshazzar himself never became king. Interesting. So kind of like Jace was suggesting that maybe he's not actually a king, he's some other kind of authoritative figure. Yeah, yeah. So that's actually a good segue into the stuff that I was looking up about the history. Well, I have a little more. I have just just a okay, little bit more. Okay. Yeah. Give, give us yours first. Uh, and so then, of course, he says that, you know, you're going to be conquered by Darius, uh, but yeah. Darius the Mede specifically. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who that is. They don't have any historical reference of anyone who is Darius oh. the Mede. And also, like, the invaders of Babylon were Persians, not the Medes as well. And I really liked this line from the Wikipedia. John J. Collins suggests this is typical of the story genre in which historical accuracy is not an essential element. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a great segue. So I was looking more into kind of trying to figure out the timeline of Daniel. You know, how many kings, how long was it between these kings? Is Daniel super old now? Mm -hmm. Is he not? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, how many kings? Do we need to find a new boy? Right, exactly. So in looking into this, um, I also then kind of went down this rabbit hole of the history of Babylon and kind of, mm. you know, who who mm. were the kings, right? Because I, I wanted to cross-reference these kind of Christian Bible timeline sources with more like historians that look into Babylon to kind of see what, how they add up. And what's interesting is they actually do, ha- like we've we've entered a time in the Bible now where we're interacting with other kingdoms and characters who were actually documented in other sources and other world, other you know nations and stuff like that. So we do actually you know have 
relatively accurate timelines of when these things happened, as opposed to before, mm-hmm. where we're always kind of guessing, right? We'd have to guess of like, well, they mentioned this pharaoh, which is probably this mm-hmm. pharaoh, mm-hmm. and so that mm-hmm. might be this time. Now it's like, no, we we know relatively accurately, you know, when these things happened. Okay. Uh, so, so okay. So here's what happened. Nebuchadnezzar was actually Nebuchadnezzar the second. Um, and he's the one who came along and, and conquered all of, of Judah and, and Israel, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's he's the dude that, that Daniel's preaching to and who does his, you know, America's or Babylon's next top boy contest, all that stuff. <laughs> so, like Babylon's next top boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he does this thing where he becomes an animal for some years, I guess. Which we're going to talk about momentarily. Yeah, yeah. He does that whole thing and then comes back. Uh, and then he dies of just being oh. old. He just oh, dies. Of being an old guy who dies. I mean, I'm sure being an animal isn't easy on the body. <laughs> I suppose that's true. Uh, okay, so then he, then we have this like very quick succession of kings. So he gets succeeded by his son, Amel. Marmaduke, no, Amel, <laughs> Amel Marduk. I doubt that's I call his name. Amel Marmaduke. Amel Marmaduke. Yep. Who he's only king for two years, and then he gets assassinated by a coup, Dang. led by this guy named Nereglisar, which is a cool villain name. And so Nereglisar also like married one of Nebuchadnezzar's daughters to kind of give himself some royal bloodline or what have you. Wow. And then. He dies a little bit later because he was old. And then it goes to his underage son, a little boy named Labashi Marduk. Labashi. And he gets assassinated after nine months. And he's like underage too. So they just killed this child. That's awful. And gosh, the perpetrator of this assassination, one of the people who is believed to be a big part of it was Nabonidus, who you were just talking about a second ago. Okay, Okay. Nabonidus then actually does rule until the end of Babylon, but he leaves for like a decade and he appoints his son, who is Belshazzar, as the co-regent. So that's where the third in command comes from. When he gives Daniel that you're the third person in charge of the kingdom now, because his dad is still the king. He's just gone off somewhere else. And also this is just a random little mention on the Wikipedia page about Nabonidus, but that he may have been the world's first archaeologist. <laughs> so I like to think that he's off on this 10-year-long archaeology dig wow. somewhere. They don't give any details or anything. So he's like, it belongs in a museum. Yeah, exactly. Wow. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> belongs in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where Belshazzar... Yeah, I'm glad we all got a chance to, to audition for Indiana yeah. Jones just then. Yeah. All had our different takes on it. Emily's was almost a little bit more like Indy's dad trying to uh, impersonate yeah. Indy. No. She had a little bit of Sean Connery in there. This belongs in the museum. That would be go. my audition for Sean Connery playing <laughs> Indiana Jones. Right. Okay, okay. So so hang on. So so now now's where it comes into what we were just talking about, though, is so Belshazzar becomes this co-regent and he has this vision here. What's wild, though, is that, so we just read chapter five, where we had the writing on the wall with Belshazzar, and then Belshazzar gets killed in the invasion of the Persians, which is led by Cyrus the Great. And if you remember from before, Cyrus the Great was the one who was named as the Messiah, 
yes. in earlier prophecies of like yes. he's going to free the Jews again. And boy, oh boy. kind of does end up doing that, but he does it by conquering everybody. And then mm. he appoints one of his like generals or whoever, who's this Medi guy, Darius the Medi. He puts him in charge of this area, but it's still kind of all under Cyrus. Wow. Right. And so we're going to continue on with Darius and Daniel, but then Daniel's going to jump backward in time. Whoa. And chapter seven, when we get to that, is going to actually be previous while Nabonidus was king or maybe when Belshazzar mm. was first appointed or something. So we're going to kind of jump around. It's a and crazy and so it's, book. Yeah, it really is. So seven and eight, we're going to jump backward in time and then we're going to jump back forward again to, I think Daniel might even interact with Cyrus or maybe Dar- or to Cyrus through Darius or whatever. And then we're going to pick it up with Ezra moving forward. And that's going to be kind of continuous dealing with Darius and Cyrus some more. So just to kind of put it in the context of all the other prophecies and the other stuff we've heard about, I thought that was cool. Wow, it's pretty fun. And one one last thing I just did want to mention because I talked about it in the episode was about the prophet being mute. That was Ezekiel. Oh. That Ezekiel, there was a line where his tongue was made to stick to the roof of his mouth and he was yeah. mute for some period of time. The same words as we saw here about your tongue being stuck to the roof of your mouth was in the psalm, actually. So that's imagery oh, that comes up a I lot. See. Just coincidentally. Uh, but anyway, in this case, Daniel did, was not mute like for a, an extended period. It's more like he was mute just because he was like, uh, 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 about how like terrible this vision was. I see. So, okay, so he so was shocked. Wasn't the same. Got it. Yeah, okay. just shocked into, or terrified into silence, maybe. Okay. okay, y'all. I found this really amazing blog post from allmesopotamia.wordpress.com. <laughs> I love, love it so far. <laughs> on Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> and it's kind of in keeping with our current time period because it's talking about the fact that Halloween is upon us. Mm, and fun. we are about, I think when this episode airs, it will be in October, which means that Halloween is indeed upon us. Mm. And this blog talks about the fact that a lot of secular articles out there, one by Melissa Barrett specifically, says, real werewolves, three cases mm. of lycanthropy, and essentially saying that Nebuchadnezzar... Like, Lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. Yeah. lycanthropy. I like lycanthropy, though. Lycanthropy. Yeah. He's licking. Licking everybody. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So King Nebuchadrezzar, in fact, was a werewolf. And that's what they're saying. Oh, that's, that's, the, cool. that's the argument? That's cool. Yes. <laughs> this is a clinical lycanthropy is often offered as a secular explanation. Is it lycanthropy, actually? Now I'm questioning that. I think it's lycanthropy is how lycanthropy, I've always heard it pronounced. Yeah. Lycanthropy? Yeah. Okay, so not what I said or what you said, like Yeah, <laughs> yes. is often offered as a secular explanation for the biblical story of King Nebuchadnezzar, which is really fun. Now, okay. I love that. I'm now picturing someone out there has to have their Halloween costume. Yes. Be Nebuchadnezzar, where you're like an ox, but your hair is like the wings of a hawk and your fingernails are like the talons of an eagle. Or no, other way around. Wings of an eagle... Talons of a hawk. Yeah. Send us pictures if you do, please. I would love to see this Halloween costume. Well, okay. But I'm looking at the Wikipedia for clinical lycanthropy, Uh which is a little bit different, right? So clinical lycanthropy is like someone has the delusion that they're turning into an animal. Yes. And I think that that's... Because they're too high. 
Because they're too high. Okay, but that's <laughs> essentially what they're saying. It says, uh. yeah, so Daniel tells the troubled king, you shall be driven from men and your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field and you will eat grass as an oxen and be wet with the dews of heaven. Seven years will pass until you know God, essentially. So, yes, okay, Lycanthrampy. Is Daniel a hypnotist? Maybe. I don't like, know. I like Lycanthrampy. That's Lycanthrampy is Lycanthrampy. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently is not exclusive to the form of the wolf. Mm. Some people say that the animals in the delusion transformation include leopards, lions, elephants, crocodiles, sharks, buffaloes, eagles, and serpents. I've seen, okay, the Wikipedia says transformation into frogs and even bees. There you go. Has been reported in some instances. And in Japan specifically, transformation into foxes was the most wow. common. I was going to say tanuki, but all right. No, the kitsune. No, that makes yeah, sense. Well, tanuki. Yeah. But I mean, it essentially says that, right? Like he was driven from men, ate grass like an oxen. Mm-hmm. His body was wet. His hair grew like an eagle's and his nails were like birds. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like when I was taught this story growing up, it was always taught multiple ways. Like there was always the school of thought that like, oh yeah, he was just nutso. Yeah. Thought that he was an animal, you know, went mad for yeah. a few years and just like rolled around out in the fields. Right. Versus other schools of thought were like, no, he turned into an animal. God turned him into an animal. Well, this school of thought seems to think that he was pretending to be an animal. Mm. Well, and it also says Nebuchadrezzar II may have suffered from lycanthropy or he may have suffered from syphilis. Mm. We don't know. Oh, that too. I mean, syphilis is also not great on your brain. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But he maybe we can't be sure that he even suffered from anything other than the common cold. What? And it but, says what? that oh, he come, apparently come on, died. Come now. Hold on. Come I know. He suffered from something because he went pretty, pretty nutty. He right. was an animal for seven years. And that he died an old man in 605 BC. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, apparently he died pretty old, which is interesting. I mean, it does mean, yes, Daniel was a very young boy at the beginning of the story, but it, it seems to infer that Daniel was much older by the time the story ends, I'm assuming. Mm. Which is kind of fun. It's like we're getting this whole swath of life. We're getting this whole... Yeah. Yeah, a moment in Daniel's life. But I do like the idea that Nebuchadrezzar was a werewolf or something. I do just want to say I don't totally trust this blog source here. Oh, okay. Because looking into these things, I think they might be a little confused about how years work in BCE, but Nebuchadnezzar II became king in 605 BC and died in 562 BC. I think they may have seen those numbers and thought the higher one happens after the lower one. I see. Uh, So, so, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. Well, they did provide a lot of sources (laughs) and further reading, but I hear you. It is interesting just with the whole idea of like a clinical lycanthropy, you know, whether he was just really high or whether it was actually some kind of mental disorder or syphilis or something. Yes. But that the, this whole chapter is told in first person, basically, like describing yeah. what yeah. Nebuchadnezzar is saying. So it is kind of like... It's like after the fact, he's retelling it. Right. And that he's telling it. It's not like mm-hmm. Daniel yeah. saying, and then we saw that the king became this. It's like no. told from his point of view. So yeah, it could, could all be in his head. And, and the story even does leave room for that. It's not like... Some people said he was like a raptor. 
I love that's that. Fun. I mean, a bird of prey, I guess. Yeah, like a velociraptor or or a bird of prey. Yeah. Well, that that makes sense. Why he's Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> but yes, another one that I looked up, the GodspellCoalition.org says oh, that Nebuchadnezzar. Wow. I know. It talks about Jesus a lot, but it does think that Nebuchadnezzar becomes animalistic. His outward appearance is affected, but only only in ways that any persons would be if they had an animal mind and lived for years out of doors like a beast. So sure. So they're saying it's not like a actual anamorphs transformation, yes. but just that his hair got yeah, long sadly. and his fingers got all clawed and yeah. Okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That it was more internal and I guess people just had to live with the fact that this dude was acting like an animal for seven years. I hope that they like threw him some food from time to time. Yeah. He had grass. He was fine. He had grass. (laughs) Right. He was just grazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if that like had the daily nutritional value that he needed, (laughs) but maybe. He was also a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like looking at the history of Babylon, it's basically like Nebuchadnezzar did all the good, cool things. And then he died, and then there was a bunch of kings, and then it was over. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's like, he was like the guy of Babylon. Yeah, the guy of Babylon. Exactly. The guy, yeah. 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 Wow. Weird. Well, cool. This is great. I love this. Yeah. I love learning history, but when it's like interesting, fun history. Yeah. And not boring history. Yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Alrighty, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining us for Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition. We'll be back with even more Daniel next week. We can't wait to see you then. Bye.